0: If you join us for the first time, we are back in Romans eight. We've been in Romans for a while. This is actually our 19th week in Romans. How wild is that? 19 weeks. We took a break for the fall and holidays. Uh, Came back in January. We started in January with a a new section of the letter, chapter five. Chapter five and through chapter eight is a whole different section uh, that Paul uh, is writing about. And, And in that section, he's trying to answer this question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to follow Christ? What does that look like? And so in chapter 8... It, that's kind of the end of that section. We're gonna slow down a little bit. We're gonna break apart chapter eight in, in like bite-sized chunks and sections. Okay, I'm not gonna zoom past this. So we started last week. The first eight verses. We learned about the Holy Spirit, man. How how Paul emphasizes this—the Spirit of God that brings freedom and life to everybody who follows Jesus. He brings freedom and life to all who follow Christ. You're no longer controlled by your sinful nature. He has set you free from that. Um, and but yet there. There's a tension still, a tension between living for Christ and living for your sinful nature. That tension doesn't go away, by the way. Uh, We'd like it to, but it doesn't. And the reason why it doesn't is because this side of heaven, you're you're not perfect yet. You're not on the same level as Christ. We are perfected in eternity. Once we get to eternity, that's when we reach that that level that Christ is on. But we're not there yet, this side of heaven, okay? So we're going to have those struggles. We're going to have those tensions in place. But as a follower of Jesus, your sinful nature does not dominate your life because Christ has set you free from that. It should never dominate your life and control your life in its entirety. And so what Paul's going to do in this next portion of Romans 8 that we're going to work our way through here this morning, um, is he's going to do this. He's already established, again, that the Holy Spirit brings you freedom and life. Now what he's going to do in the next part we're going to look at, he's going to talk about how the Holy Spirit brings you into the family of God, the body of Christ, the church community, whatever it is you want to use. He's going to talk about how that adoption takes place. Spirit of adoption. We're going to talk about that here this morning. Um, I don't know if you've ever been around folks who've been adopted before, or if you know what that process is like. It's a very powerful type process, if you think, think about it, you know? I mean, you think about this. There's somebody who... Who adopts another individual and kids, whatever different culture, race, background, you know? Maybe maybe they came from hardship and there's a lot of brokenness and some baggage they carry in. Maybe it's the result of a, a tragedy that happened and they're they're bringing folks in because of that. Well, there's there's different reasons why it happens, but you know when adoption takes place, it's it's a very powerful thing. They become part of the family, right? the, the kids who are adopted have the the same name, the same privileges, the same. Standing as other folks in the family. They may not be blood, but they're family nonetheless. And can I just tell you this morning that is what God does for us when we say yes to Him? We are adopted, we are brought into the family of God. We didn't start there, we don't originate there, but God brings us in. When we get to Romans chapter 11, we're going to, on a whole new level, learn what it means as, as Gentile believers for sure, non Jewish believers to be adopted into God's family. But even Jewish believers are adopted as well. Why? Because lineage, ancestry, ethnicity doesn't save you. That's one of the tension points, a major one, that Jesus has with the Pharisees in the Gospels. They want to point back to Abraham and he says, yeah, Abraham is right. But in a spiritual sense, by faith, we're saved by faith. We're not saved by by our lineage or ethnicity or any of those types of things. Um, God has one son. Huh? Nicene Creed puts it very well, says this about Jesus. He was begotten of the Father, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, consubstantial, fancy word there, meaning of the same substance or essence, meaning he is the same as the Father. So God adopts us into his family. He gives us his name to live out. Ever thought about that? That as you live for God, you're living out the name of Jesus. You're not living just for yourself now. You're living for God. Your life is a reflection of, of God's character a reflection of who God is because you carry his name. Always learn that growing up. You're a Bullard, right? So you're going to live like a Bullard and do what a Bullard does. You're going to represent Bullard well. That's it's, it's a name. It's often been said that you don't have anything in this life but your name, right? Your name is all you really have. It, your name is important. Third commandment that, that God gives to Moses he says this He says Hey don't take the name Of the Lord your God in vain Now if you grew up in church Or if you had a, a Christian kind of background You were probably taught The way that a lot of us were That that means You never say G-O-D Right You stub your toe And it's like because You can't say that You know Jolly J whitakers That's what you're supposed to say. You, can't say you can't say But that's actually not what it means So actually that third commandment, and I'm not saying go around and say, Pastor said I can say God's name all the time. I'm not telling you to do that. But what I am telling you is this, that God doesn't look down, he's not so fragile that when you say his name in a negative way, he freaks out. Oh my gosh, he said my name. and What am I going to do? God doesn't do that. What it means is this, that you're not to take the name of the Lord vainly, meaning I don't say I'm a follower of Christ, I live for God, I belong to Him, and yet I live my life the complete opposite of that. I don't live my life where I'm not lining up with His values and who He is and what He asks of me. I have to live for Him. And so to say that I am a follower of the Lord and and I'm living for God, but then live my life the polar opposite. That would be taking God's name in vain. It has to do with how you live your life. Why? Because when you are adopted into God's family, the name is important. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Miracle on Ice. It's a great movie. About 1980, U.S. Olympic hockey team, and the, the, that's the team that beat the soviets and won the gold medal and there's a great great scene where the hockey team they're doing they're doing suicides they're skating suicides they tied the swedes or whatever and the coach is upset so herb brooks having do suicides and he'll ask them, hey what's your name you know and they'll give their name you know and I, who do you play for i play for the university of minnesota skate again they keep skating and it happens for hours. And at the very end, he asked one of the he asked the guys, the team captain, What's your name? Michael Rizzioni? What do you who do you play for? I play for the United States of America. And the coach says, the name on the front is more important than the name on the back. When you carry the name of God, when you bear his name, yours is no longer important. It's not about you, it's about him. It's all about him. I'm not Andrew, the white middle class, married father of three, postgraduate degree, guys, follower. That's not who I am. I am Andrew who follows Christ. A Christ follower is not separated by demographics. It is not the rich and the poor and the black and the white and the men. A Christ follower is all-encompassing. When I get to God's kingdom and I get to stay in the family of God for eternity, only one thing will matter, that we are all there in God's family. It spreads across every demographic line you might want to create and draw. God's family is all-encompassing, and so I am a follower of Christ, no matter who I am, where i'm at what my demographics say that's what should define me i'm a follower of jesus and that starts when i say yes and the spirit of god will learn today brings me in or adopts me in to his family look at romans 8 9 we're gonna start there this morning romans 8 9 Paul says this, you're not controlled by your sinful nature, you're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living within them, do not belong to Him at all. So, who's Paul writing to here? Well, he's he's writing... He's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians. There's there's, there's a lot of Jewish believers in the Roman church. There's also an increasing number of Gentile or non-Jewish believers coming in. They're leaving behind paganism as they come into the kingdom of God. And so Paul is saying, look, when you come in, your adoption happens. Leave your sinful nature behind, all right? Leave it behind. You're not controlled by that any longer. And you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. I love the imagery that Paul uses right here. So pay attention to what he says here because what you're going to see is you're going to see what's called the the Trinity. And if you're here this morning like, Pastor, what is that? The Trinity is this belief that God is three distinct persons and yet he exists as one. And you say, wait a minute, that sounds wildly crazy. There's three gods. I, I know. It sounds nuts. It'll make your head explode. Explode. but there's one God who simultaneously exists in three people so the best illustration I've, I've come up with over the years to explain this is if you take an ice cube out in a hot July day put it on the pavement you will see water Existing simultaneously in three properties, but it's still water. It's a solid, as as the cube of ice. It's a liquid because it's melting, and yet what you cannot see is the vapor that is evaporating in the, into a gas form, and yet it's still water at the same time. And I think that's that's the way that God works. And let's look here, Romans eight nine. Paul alludes to the Trinity right here. He says, "Look, you have you have the the, the Spirit. You're controlled by the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's there's the first one." You have the spirit of God living in you, right? Second instance, reference to God the Father. Those who don't have the spirit of Christ. Christ is the Son. We're not talking about three Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit. But you have God the Father, God the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit all referenced right here in a passage where he's talking about the Holy Spirit itself. He is referencing the Trinity and how it exists. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Look at verse number 10. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. And the Spirit Spirit of God, who raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give new life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. If Christ is in you... The Holy Spirit is the one who brings life to you, not because of what you've done, but as as Paul has so thematically stated throughout this, this time, but because of what Christ has done. It's his righteousness. We overcome sin and have a victory because Jesus did the work for us and the Holy Spirit is within inside of us. And it's the same Spirit who empowers us to live for God, who also raised Christ from the dead. All right? Now, if this same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, if he's now at work within you as a follower of Christ, then it means you have at your disposal all that you need to live a life of victory in Jesus. All right? You can't do this on your own, but you can do this with Christ living within you. You can do this in His power, but not in your own power. So, how do we know the Holy Spirit dwells within us? How do we know that? Is it because we do weird things? You know, probably not. I would I would venture to say not. Holy Spirit doesn't cause you to bark like a dog and kind of go crazy. Is it because we uh, we teach about it in church and we belong to a church community? It's like, hey, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit and He still operates. Is that why? Uh, no, that's that's not why. That's not why either, actually. No, the answer really is this. The answer, here's the answer. You cannot be a follower of Christ without the Holy Spirit, okay? There is no life without the Spirit of God at work within you. So the Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father, they they are not separate, okay? They're three in one, three persons, one God. They're not separate, Notice when Paul talks about the Holy Spirit in verse 9, he says the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, as if they're all there together. Because they are. They're not separate. They're together. Which means what? They never separate from you. They're with you. This is why Jesus can say to his followers, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he's one with the Father. It's why he says, hey, as, as he's ascending up to, to back to heaven after he's risen from the dead, he goes, hey, listen, I'm with you always. To the end of the world How is that possible You're going up there Because the spirit of God Is going to come And because when the spirit of God comes He resides within you What does that mean That means Christ is with you To the very end That's how we can say those things Because the spirit The son and the father Are not separate They're together And so God is with you We got all kinds of stereotypes though About these guys Don't we Some of the stereotypes about God the Father, I I, I always imagined this growing up, that the Father is this old, cranky dude with long hair on a throne, and he's just waiting to judge you for the wrong thing you do. And yet, at the same time, he's got good, timeless, sage kind of wisdom, like Master Yoda, you know? It's just that kind of guy. And then you have Jesus with the long hair and the sash. You know, he's got the sandals. He's all about peace and love and freedom and that kind of thing. Kind of a hippie, in a way. And there's the Holy Spirit, which is kind of weird. Like, is he a ghost? Because some some folks call him the Holy Ghost. I thought we were supposed to believe in ghosts. Is he a ghost? Is he an energy? Is he a force? Like, what is he? And so we have all those stereotypes. None of those stereotypes are true. None of them are are, are, are real. None of them describe who God, they're, they're all false, they're all wrong. But the Father, Son, Spirit do work in concert with each other. And they're always working towards the same goal, adopting you and me into the family of God. Working to adopt us into God's family. God doesn't condemn you, he loves you. He wants to change your life. The son, he wants you to receive the offer of salvation that cost him his life so you could be accepted into God's family. The spirit of God joins with your spirit, as we'll see here in a moment, to confirm that, that you are part of God's kingdom and bring you in to that family of God as well. They're all working towards that end. If you try to follow God without the spirit... You're not going to get Jesus. You're not going to get Christianity, but you are going to get a lot of religion. You're going to get a lot of that. Why? You can't do this kind of stuff in your own strength. So many folks want to do that. They want to follow Christ and make it about things that they did. Well, you know, isn't it great that I I obeyed God this week and He's super happy and pleased with me. God is not pleased with whatever you do. He is pleased with Jesus, what Jesus did. And because we put our faith in Christ, then He's pleased with us. It all comes back to Jesus. And I'm working real hard. I mean, I grew up in the deep south. I get it. We have this idea that we can just somehow make our way to God concrete. You can't Do it. It all rests in Christ. It all comes down to your faith, being with Jesus. So when you mess up, is God ready to kick you out, man? It's like, you know what? It's one time too many, boom, you're gone. No, not at all. Hey, you're like, yeah, but God, I, I did all this stuff, man. I've I, I said I wouldn't do it again. I did it again. I said I wouldn't go there again. I did I, I, I prayed. I, I bargained. did all the things I'm supposed to do. And God's like, yeah, man, I know. And I watched the whole thing, dude. Like, I saw all of it. But we're still cool. I still, I, I'm going to forgive you. I'm there. Why? Because when I'm part of the family of God, when I'm adopted into God's family. He still loves me. He still cares for me. He still dispenses mercy. He still gives me grace. He's still calling me to step out of my old life, my old name, and wear his life and his name in a world that needs him. A lot of the Christian life is about living and dying. Living and dying. We are we are living for Christ and dying to ourselves. A lot of it is about living and dying. The mistake we make, if we're not careful, is we'll focus too much on, on God making this life right here our best life. I'm not advocating we be monks and, you know, vow poverty and go live in the mountains forever. I'm not saying we should do that. Because um, if you want to, you can be by yourself. I'm good, I'm, I like where I'm at. But, I will say this. I don't want more of this life. This life is not my best life. It'd be great for God to do some things different, hundred percent, you know. But this is not my best life right here. I want to be careful to to, to to be. I want to be free to do all that God has called me to do. I want to be free to do all that God has called me to do. Okay, but I want to be careful not to do the things I think I should do. They said, wait a minute, why why would you say that? Because if I do the things I think I should do, it will tie me up to where I cannot do what God has called me to do. I'm not hearing from God's spirit. I'm not following his leading. I'm doing what feels good and feels right, which sometimes lines up, but oftentimes it doesn't. And though it might be well-intentioned, it's keeping me from doing what God is calling me to do. I don't want to be in that place. And so before I do anything, I'm always thinking, God, Lord, is this this where you want me to go? Is this your will for me? Is this the direction I should go in? Because I want to be free to do everything he's called me to do. I don't want to do the things that I think I should do at that expense. Verse number 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. But if you live through the power of the Spirit, I'm sorry, but if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. So if we live according to our own desires and our own sin, Hey, what's the answer? Well, we're going to die. We're not going to have a, a, a unification with the Lord. We're going to be spiritually separated. And that's what we're going to, uh, that's what we have to, to die to. We have to die to our own desires to be united with Christ for all time. I've got one good eye this morning. So I'm reading with one, one good eye, man. My other eye is kind of messed up. We die to our passions, we die to our culture, we die to our, our sinful desires as we live by the Spirit of God. Now, here's the trap. Listen to the trap here for a moment. The trap is this. Religion teaches you that by your own power, you can control your destiny, all right? In the sense of this, that you can put the sinful nature under your control, that you can have some kind of, you know, leeway over it. We don't have incantations and charms and amulets and formulas in Christianity. Why is that? Because you can't control this on your own. Okay? You can't defeat sin on your own. You can't harness it on your own. It's all coming back to who Christ is. Jesus controls it. He defeated it. The Spirit of God empowers you to live for Him and have victory over it. Nothing you can do in your own power can harness sin or control sin. Okay, You have to let the Spirit of God live and dwell within you to have that kind of victory. Some of you guys, when you pray, man, you're, you're praying, you're like, man, Lord... If that's the case, I just need you to take control, man. Take control of my life and do this and do that. And, and here's the problem with that. God doesn't take control and force you to do anything. If, if you read scripture and you see how God works, he doesn't actually possess you, okay? What does God do? He empowers you. He influences you, but he empowers you to live for him. He empowers you to do the right things. That's how God works, if you live the way you want to live, okay, if you want to live the way on your own your own terms and be free from God and do your own thing and trust in your own strength to, to make it, have victory over sin, you're going to find that you're going to end up living a life that's pretty empty. In fact, you'll find that you'll end up spending eternity apart from God. It was all the way back to the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God looks at Adam and Eve, and he goes, hey, there's a tree over there. Don't eat from this tree, all right? Just don't do it. Was there anything special about the tree? Probably not. It's probably normal fruit. I'm sure there's nothing there. What was God doing? God is, is, is he's testing a little bit. He's like, hey, you love me, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll trust me. You'll obey me, okay? Don't do it, because if you do, here's the concept. He didn't hide it. You're going to die. He gave the consequence out there, okay? <clears throat> not just physical death spiritual death spiritual separation from god for all time if we give to our own vices it shows we're not trusting god you don't trust the lord you're not trusting in god to lead you the way he should lead you to do what he should do in your life i think it should be said that if you live your own way for yourself god is not obligated to share his glory with you which we'll learn about next week. Uh, if you're living for yourself, that's not real freedom. It's counterfeit freedom, and you're actually lost. The tension is that if we choose to follow Christ, our new life will, over time, begin to let nothing like our old life. And for some of us, that's a welcome respite, right? But for others of us, we can struggle with that because we kind of like some things in our old life. But we have to let go of those things if we're to fully walk into the new life that God is giving to us. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Abba Father. So the Christian life is about living and dying. Living for the Lord, dying to yourself. And it includes sonship with God. All right, sonship with God. God did not adopt you into his family to put more burdens on you. He, he, he didn't you know, do that, kind. Of, his only burden he places on your life is to follow Christ, that's it. That's why Jesus says, hey, you know, if you're heavy burden, heavy laden, put that down on my feet, my yoke's easy, my burden's light. Like, I'll, 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 you're just gonna follow me and that's it. That's all you gotta do. God does not adopt you and say, man, here's another rule book here's a whole bunch of things you've got to do for me, and if you mess up, too bad. It's not like you're Cinderella, you know? You're not mopping and sweeping the house, living in the attic. God adopts you not to suffer without purpose. He adopts you in his family to have victory, to have, you know, uh, glory that he'll share with you in eternity. He adopts you for a purpose. You're not adopted into a spirit of slavery. You're adopted as children of Almighty God. And the spirit of adoption that, that takes place allows us to call God our Abba. Now, Abba is a weird name. Some of you in the room know what Abba means, and others that we don't. I mean, when you hear Abba, you know, especially it's going to age a little bit, but you think 70s rock band. That's what you're thinking. Like, all right, Abba, man. Not, not quite the same. Abba is an ancient term that refers to uh, dad. It's not daddy, a lot of folks want to teach us daddy, it's not actually daddy. Daddy is super informal. And it's not father, because father is very like formal. It, it's a great balance. Dad has that perfect blend of you know, authoritative fatherhood and relational fatherhood. He has authority and he has power, but he also has relationship with his kids. That's, that's a great balance you have there between the two. Uh, my dad knew how to throw down, buddy. Like if we were in trouble, discipline came and he, he knew how to do that. But my dad also knew how to have fun and, and, and we loved going to ball games and golfing and barbecue and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm the same way with my kids. There are times where I got to throw down as a father and that authority comes down hard, man. I'm like, son, you need direction in your life. And if you need a little extra push to get there, I will provide that push for you. You know, you got to get there. But I also love being daddy, man. I love playing Donkey Kong 64 with my oldest son and tickle fights with my two-year-old and taking my five-year-old to the zoo because that's his favorite thing to do is to look at all the animals and just have a just blast feeding. I love the relational aspect of that. And kind of tell you today that God is both. Some of you in the room have only pictured God as authoritative and you've not seen the whole picture. Or you've pictured him as relational and left the authoritative part out. But God is both. He provides direction and discipline. Proverbs says he disciplines those he loves, right? And he also provides relationship where he cares for you and longs to be with you. God is that perfect blend of authority and relationship. As wild as it might sound for some of you, uh, you are his favorite. You are the apple of God's eye. He does care for you. When you stop to pray, he listens to what you have to say. He cares about you spilling your heart out to him. When you go through pain, it pains him. When you have heartache, he feels that. When you have joy, man, he celebrates with you. Why? Because you're one of his. In the same manner you celebrate with your kids, he celebrates with you. Because God, he loves you so much. You're his if you belong to the Holy Spirit. Paul uses conditional language in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So if you're led by the Spirit, you're a child of God, right? Now you're not a child of God because you behave the right way or because you serve or give or any of those types of things. You're a son or daughter of God, because you are led right. You are led by the Spirit of God. Now, if it's true that all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, the inverse is also true, right? All those who are not led by the Spirit of God cannot be children of God. They're not there yet. That I means they won't be one day, but it means they're not right now. The inverse is also true. Being led by the Holy Spirit is not hard and in theory, we can talk about that all day long. Hey, i let the Spirit of God lead me here and there. But it really is hard to do it in practice. It's hard to surrender your life to the Spirit of God. It's hard to let the Spirit of God take control and, and follow where he's prompting you to do and where to go. That trust factor is really difficult. A lot of people have a hard time clearing that hurdle. Can I just tell you, if you're a new believer today in the room and you're, you're struggling with trust issues with God, if you can get to a place where you can trust God, boy, that hurdle you're clearing, it will change your life. It will upend your life like crazy because there's a whole host of things God can do in and through you once you get to a place where you can fully trust in him. Shana does not trust my driving. Now, I don't know why because I have a pretty good record, but she says something about like not being aware enough or some crazy thing like that. But my kids do. And so when my kids get into the car, they're, they're all excited. They're happy. They're ready to go. My wife gets in the car, and it's like she's getting kidnapped or whatever. My kids love it, though. And they trust me to get them where they need to go. They trust that because they trust the guy behind the wheel. They don't question it. They don't ask about it. They're just like, hey, we're going for a ride. That is, that is the pinnacle. I think of of, of life with Jesus. The pinnacle we should shoot for. Where we have our trust with God, where it's so great. I don't even question it. You know, we all go through doubts and we all have issues and questions, that's normal. But man, to get to a place where, hey, He's leading me this way. I don't know what's over there. I don't know what's going to you know. wait for me. And I'm not sure how things are going to work out. But I trust God, so I'm going to go. I, I just, I'm just going to go. I don't have the details. God will work it out. I trust him that much. Boy, that is the pinnacle of, I think, relationship with the Lord right there. If we can get to a place where we trust God so much, we don't even think about it. We're just there. That's, that's where we need to be at. Do you trust the Spirit of God to lead you this morning? Do you trust Him to lead you into, into mercy and forgiveness that you don't deserve, you know? Do you trust Him to lead you into grace, which is the power of God, to live for God? Do you trust Him to lead you into wholeness of body, mind, and soul? Do you trust Him to lead you to a place of healing and peace and provision today? Where is your trust at? Do you trust Him The Christian life's about living and dying. It's about sonship. Finally, it's about family life. It's family life. You're together on this. If you're new to church or faith, you know, in Christ, hang around long enough, you might hear somebody say something like this. They might say things like, hey, Brother Tim, you know, Sister Jan. (laughs) And if, if this is all new for you, you might do a double take. That sounds a little cultish. Everyone's brother and sister, what's up with that? We don't do that kind of thing. And for people who've been Christians for a long time, you don't think anything about it. But trust me, for those who are not believers who walk in the door and they hear that, they're thinking, what the heck did I walk into? You know, Is there Kool-Aid somewhere? Let me avoid that. Um, <clears throat> it's, here, here, but here's the thing. As it, it, is sound, it sounds a little odd. Like I don't use that term. but There's nothing wrong with that. Why, why is that term used? This is more for my guys, this, for, for who are new in the faith and have questions than anything else, I guess, this morning. But, but why is that term used? Well, it's used for this reason. <clears throat> Once you say yes to Christ, you're now part of God's family. And so people don't use that term to be religious or whatever. They use that term because honestly, in a spiritual sense, that is who you are. You are a brother, Dan, in Jesus. You are a sister, Susie, in Christ, right? And so you are a part of the family of God, and it's just a way of confirming what is already true, that we are in this together. Look at verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit. So the spirit of God joins with your spirit, to affirm that we're children of God. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So the Holy Spirit joins with us who are believers and affirms that we're his. Did you ever think this morning that you have a spirit? Now, many of you in the room probably aware of that, right? But perhaps you're in the room today and you're not, you know, you walked in and you're like, I'm not sure if I believe all this stuff, and now I'm learning I have a spirit. What what in the world is that? It, it, in Genesis, we read that we're made in God's image. That doesn't necessarily mean physically. It means that the image of God, his fingerprints are all over us. We have his, you know, we got aspects of his personality, emotion. We have a spirit, They read in scripture that God is spirit. If God is spirit and we're made in the image of God, it follows what? It follows that we are spirit as well, doesn't it? So we have a spirit, God has a spirit. When we say yes to Christ, it's the Holy Spirit, which again is, is, is God, who joins us in our spirit together and says, man, you're mine. And we are in this together. And we are a part of the family of God together. And so as children of God, as Paul points out in verse 17, we receive a few things. One of those things is we receive, we're, we're heirs to his glory in all that he has. In the same manner that our kids are heirs to all that we have, That means eternal life and every other privilege that comes with that, you have a share in that. Again, not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did for us. But we have a share in that glory that God has uh, for us. Now here's one thing no one wants to talk about. The one thing no one wants to talk about is this next one right here. That's part of the deal. That as we are joined with the Lord in spirit, we also suffer as he suffered. Right? There's suffering in this life that comes for those who follow Christ. Uh, Jesus said it himself. He goes, man, no, no man is greater than his master. Right, So if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. But what did they do to Jesus? He died the most excruciating death who could possibly die in the first century. It's crucifixion. How did the rest of the followers turn out? Not, not too great. Peter and Andrew died through crucifixion. Paul probably did as well. Uh, Thomas is impaled as he's bringing the message of Christ to India. Uh, Matthew dies o- over in Persia. James gets his head cut off. They tried to kill John over and over and over, and John wouldn't die. So, so you know what? Here's an island over here. Have at it. And they dropped John off on a prisoner colony called Patmos in the middle of the Mediterranean, where John writes, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Probably the Gospel of John, we're not sure, but certainly in the book of Revelation, he writes on that prisoner island. Throughout history, the children of God have been through hell and back on this earth. Why? Same reason, if you go back and, and watch our teaching on Israel we did in November. You know, there are people who do terrible things in the name of God who don't belong to the Lord. That's 100% true. But that's not why they're persecuted. If you look throughout human history, Christians are persecuted heavily why they're preaching the gospel of Jesus. They're preaching the truth. There's a real enemy. If you walk into Radiant Church, we we don't disavow there's a real devil, there's a real evil, that that darkness exists. And there's a real enemy out there. And so you're going to suffer. It's going to happen. But look at what the author of Hebrews says. I love what he says here about those who follow Jesus. Because if you're a follower of Christ, though you might go through hell and back, this life, boy, that's as close to hell as you'll ever get. Listen to what he says here. Some were laughed at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning. Some by being sawed in two. It's a reference to Isaiah right there. Others were promised freedom. They would renounce their faith. How many folks had that opportunity? And they said, no, I'm sticking to it. They died by fire, they died in coliseums, they died by gunshots, different ways. Then they were killed with a sword and some went about in the skins of sheep and goats, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in dens and caves. They were hungry and sick and ill-treated, and they were too good for this world. Every time I read that passage, it gets me. They're too good. We don't know suffering in our part of the world. I pray we never know it the way other folks know it. Some of y'all are praying for it. I think y'all are nuts. I'm not praying for that. But... Suffering is part of it. Suffering is part of the deal. And a lot of believers around the world right now are suffering because of their faith. And as children of God, you can't escape it because when you sign up to follow Jesus, you do sign up for this. Doesn't mean you'll die or be beaten or imprisoned or whatever. There's a whole multitude of ways you can suffer, okay? And we'll talk more about this next week. But it could mean those things at some point. We share in the glory of God. We get eternal life. We get all the things that come with that because we're sons and daughters of God, because we're adopted into God's family. But that also means we share in the suffering when it comes. Not enough people talk about suffering. And I wish that would change uh, because it's an important part of the Christian life. When When you're not teaching on suffering and you go through it, you don't know what to do. You have a crisis of faith moment. But it's in those seasons of suffering where God's spirit really shines. And the big, I think the biggest amount of growth comes in our seasons of hardship and suffering. Because what God does, he whittles away some things. You're confident in your faith. You see the power of God at work in ways you've not seen or felt before. Z, so come on up. I don't know if you've been around folks who were adopted and, and heard their stories, but again, it's 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 pretty special to be brought into somebody's family. To know that somebody brought you into your life and and, and made room for you and, and gave you their family name and shared all they have with you. Boy, that's really incredible to do. And spiritually speaking, all of us in this room today, we are spiritual orphans. All right? We we're all born into sin apart from God, but Jesus. Boy, he changed all of that when he came. And he died and rose again. Speaking to his followers on the night that he was arrested in John 14, he tells them he will be returning to the Father, but after he does, the Holy Spirit will come. He calls him the helper. The helper will come. The Spirit of God will come. And he will dwell with his followers. Jesus may not dwell within you, but the Spirit of God dwells within you. There's no life apart from the Spirit of God. There's no adoption into God's family apart from the Spirit of God. So, the question this morning, I meant to lead off with this, but I got caught up in something else. But, you know, the question this morning is who is your daddy, man? You can't help but think of Toby Keith. Now you're going to think of that song all day today, aren't you? Who's your daddy, man? Who's your father? For some of you, you can confidently answer, well, it's God. God's my father, and I live for, okay, great. That's fantastic. The challenge for you then is, will you live this life with the name of God being more important than your own? Will you live your life that way? Perhaps you're here this morning, and you can't answer that because honest to goodness, you just, you're just not so sure. Man, I don't really know if, if my life belongs to God. I don't know if I know, man. I can tell you now, Pastor, I don't think the Holy Spirit's leading me. This is all kind of new for me today. Then before we leave, let me do this. Let me invite you to be part of God's family. Let me invite you, man, to be part of the family of God. Don't let the Spirit of God join with your spirit adopt you and bring you in so you leave this place as a son or daughter of a king. Bow your heads, close your eyes if you would here this morning. You hear today, you say, man, that's me, Pastor. I I need to have this life in Jesus. I, I don't know him. I can't say that... He is my Father. I, I can't say those things because uh, honestly, I, I don't know if it's true. And if that's you. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. It's an easy prayer. I'm going to model it for you. You can say it out loud if you want, but you don't have to. And we're just going to do two things. We're going to make Christ our Savior first, which means He saves us from our sins. You can't save yourself. We talked about that already, right? And then we're going to make Him Lord of our lives, meaning I'm no longer going to live for me and myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to let him lead me, and I'm going to live for him. And then I'll pray for those of us who are believers, and and, and we'll kind of move on this morning. God, I thank you for those who are here today whose hearts, Lord, are, are open, and they're saying, man, I am not a follower of Jesus i'd like to be this whole talk about being part of god's family having god's spirit doing the right thing like man i've I've been doing the wrong thing for long enough i don't really like where my life is at i'd love for that to change what do i do first step we're gonna make him our savior and so all you're gonna pray is this jesus i'm sorry for my sin I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry for for living in a way that has brought shame to you, that has brought heartache to you, God. Like I, don't want to, I don't want to live for myself and do my own thing and really be apart from you. I, I, I want to be with you. I want, I want to be part of your family today, God. So, I need you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin and forgive me of my wrong can't save myself I recognize today that I need Jesus to do that so Jesus will you be my savior and will you save me but not only will you save me man will you lead me will you be lord of my life that's what lord means we're surrendering to him I, mean, I, I live my way I've done my own thing and I know where that goes I'm tired of that it goes to a dead end So from this day forward, I'm going to do everything I can to follow you. I surrender my life and who I am and my heart all to you. Wherever you lead me, I'm going to go. Man, whatever you ask me to do, I want to do it. I just want to make sure that you're in charge. Be my Savior and be my Lord and bring me into this family of God that I so desperately need. Lord, for those who are believers today who are Christians, perhaps, God, they're struggling with being led by your spirit. Lord, perhaps they're having trust issues in their life themselves. I pray, God, that this morning you'd bring the right conviction that's needed. And Lord, they will respond to that conviction. And if that's you this morning, you're just gonna ask the Lord, God, forgive me for not trusting I want to place my trust in you. I'm I'm reaffirming that today, that Jesus, my heart belongs to you. I Just pray, Lord, my trust needs to be in your hands and I'm placing it there. God, help us to be led by your spirit. We're living in times where if we aren't sensitive to your spirit and the direction he's calling us in, we risk going in the in the wrong way. We risk winding up in places we don't want to wind up in. More than ever right now, it's imperative that we are sensitive to the Spirit of God. And so I pray, Lord, that our hearts are sensitive to how you lead us and direct us and what you might say through and to us. And remind us, God, that as we live our lives, we represent, we wear, we bear the name of Jesus. The name of the front is more important than the name of the back. Our lives are not as important as our life in you is. May we live with you at the forefront. May you increase, as John so aptly put, may we decrease, I pray, in how we do things. So that God, you are honored. So that Lord, you are able to use us to bring folks into your kingdom and into your family